Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Move Your Mind. My name is Nick Brax, and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice. On today's episode, I want to welcome Alex Proyas. Alex is an Australian film director, screenwriter and producer who is best known for directing films such as The Crow with Brandon Lee, Dark City with Jennifer Connelly, Knowing with Nicolas Cage, I, Robot with Will Smith and Gods of Egypt with Jared Butler. Alex, thank you so much for making the time to chat to me today, mate. I was saying to you before, I, I got a little bit nervous. I was Googling and researching before and you've done a lot of stuff and uh, I mean the best part for me about doing this podcast is I'm having to reach out and connect with people that I you know wouldn't meet on in everyday life and I get to have these really amazing conversations with people like yourself so first of all just want to say thank you so much for just making the time to do this you know really appreciate it no it's a it's a pleasure it's uh, it's fantastic what you're doing I think it's really it's really worthy worthy of of support so thank you for asking me yeah, no, thank you. So how, how have you been? What have you been up to at the moment with everything happening in the world with coronavirus and everything else? Yeah, um, look, I, I've been trying to, you know, push through and keep working, keep creating. Um, it's all we can really do. I mean, you know, we don't know where this is all going. We don't know how we're going to come out the other end, if we're going to come out the other end, when we're going to come out the other end. Um, and so, you know, from really from day one, from when the, the first lockdown happened in, in Sydney, we were, I was building a studio, a virtual production studio at the time, and we just shot our first short film. We had a bunch of actors and cast and crew, and we got together and we did this, this film, and it was great, great experience, great fun. And then literally, the, the, you know, we were hearing about all this stuff through the shoot, you know, I remember joking about mm we'll have to be doing air hugs, you know, with the cast and crew at the end of the thing and air kisses rather than, and then sure enough, the week after it happened, the, the, you know, we got locked down and all the crew that I'd been working with and we're going to go into post-production, they all had to leave, you know, we had to abandon the, the facility we were working in and everyone went, went off to their own, you know, isolation. Um, and uh, it was pretty upsetting. I mean, you know, it, it was a pretty, uh, it was demoralizing to to get this far with something and suddenly, you know, it all has to unravel. But so for a while I was pretty much in the doldrums, I think with, with everyone else, but I very quickly went, you know what, we've got to just keep pushing forward. You know, we just got to keep doing stuff. Mm. And, and so, you know, zoom started happening and we started, I did this little, um, this little short film. I did it completely uh, remotely. You know, I contacted a, um, actors that I'd worked with and got them to to provide, you know, voiceover. Um, just they had their own home studio and they did a little voiceover for me and I got a musician to record some music for me and I put some footage together that I'd shot from before the, 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 the lockdown and we made this little short film and it was really uh, uh, inspiring to be able to just keep creating 
and collaborating mm. with your fellow artists through this this process. So I'm, I'm a staunch believer in just you, you know, you, the show must go on. I guess is is the motto, mm -hmm. you know, and it, I think it applies now even much more so than normally. You just have to just keep working out a way of being creative and and interacting with people, you know. Um, so yeah, I guess mm. that's that's my only my only trick, you know. Managed to get me through that first, you know, serious lockdown. You know, in Sydney now we're lucky though we can well touch wood at this stage we are we can at least still. Yeah get together face to face now and do stuff if, as long as we're, you know, a distance from each other and all that sort of thing. You know? Yeah, absolutely. But I, you know, I love the point you made there because I think the, when people, you know, the uncertainty and when people are relying and you see this so much as in, in acting, I see actors that, you know, even when it's not COVID going through extreme anxiety because it's sort of waiting, you know, and being at the mercy of things. And um, I think it's a really, you know, as you said in before, you can use this period to um, look at, okay, well, what can I take control of? There's, you know, certain things I can't do. What can I do? What can I actually, you know, use technology to do? Or what can, what can I, how can I be proactive during this period? Um, and try and condition that mindset for when, you know, you are back in the, the world as well to, to carry that on. Because I think that's when we get really anxious, when we just feel like there's nothing left that we can control and we're, at the mercy of all these external, you know, forces that we are waiting. Um, it's not, not a pleasant thing. So, yeah, really love what you said there. Um, well, I, I've been trying to um, encourage filmmakers to do that anyway, you know, um, because, yeah, you know, yeah. look, the film, the film landscape has been changing so much in the last few years mm. and, and this pandemic is making it ha happen even more quickly. Um, and mm. I've been trying to encourage people to, you know, a lot of the technology now is very available to people. So, you know, when it comes to, to actors, for example, I have a lot of friends who are actors and uh, in, in Australia and, and they, uh, a lot of the time they spend their, their time waiting for that next um, test they've got to do, the next self-test or the next audition, the next whatever, um, the, the next yeah. project to come along. And the rest of the time this, this struggle to, to just, keep themselves afloat, you know? And so I've been encouraging particularly people like that, but filmmakers generally, there's no excuse now to, to not be able to make your own film. You know, you've got the, mm -hmm. most people have got the technology in their own hip pocket. Now you can shoot something of very good quality and edit it on your laptop. And so I've been trying to encourage people to, to try and get together and take their own, their own destiny to their own hands and just continue to do, try and do stuff together and not wait for someone to, to give them the license to, to do that, you know? Um, uh, so, you know, I think there's still, that still very much applies in, in, you know, today as, as we sit here is I think people mm -hmm. have got to be proactive um, and, you know, motivated to, to, to do their thing and create and collaborate and, um, and not wait for someone to give you permission to, to do that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I want to go a bit more into that later on. Um, before we sort of get into the rest of it, would you mind just giving, we normally ask the guests just to give a really brief sort of background on yourself and sort of how you got to where you are today. I'll, I'll be as brief as I can be. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I've, I've been wanting to make films since I was a kid. You know, I, I started off bugging my parents for a camera when I was 10 years old, you know, Super 8 camera in those days. And uh, being an only child, I eventually got my, my wish for a 
Christmas or birthday or something. I can't remember. Um, and that's all I've ever really wanted to do. You know, I wanted to make films. Um, mm. And uh, so, so I, I, uh, I got, I got to film school when I was pretty young. Um, and uh, that was a good, good thing. Film school here in, in Sydney. And very soon, uh, you know, I came out of that situation going, well, what do, how does a, a guy like me actually make a living in the film industry? Because Australia is not, wasn't known at the time. This is in the eighties now. Mm. wasn't really known as a, film center there was you know so and you know ideally i'd be wanting to go to the us or something but i didn't have yeah. the resources to do that um and i didn't want to go and direct you know sit uh, um, not sitcom soap operas and stuff or whatever the possibilities were in australia in the film industry here and television so i set up a music video company i had a lot of friends in bands and so we set up this little company um uh, we we made some videos for friends, you know, for like no cost, just the cost of the film stock or whatever. And, and we, you know, we got record companies interested in what we were doing. And I eventually ended up, you know, doing commercials and ended up in the States and ended up, you know, having a group. I had a song for, I did a music video for a song by crowded house that did incredibly well in in um the states it was like number it went to like number two i think not number one but number two oh, wow. which is pretty close to number one in the on the it's american charts yeah pretty good for an aussie band or a new zealand aussie band and um oh god yeah and so i got i got a company in la wanting to shop me around for videos did videos in la lived in la for a while got an agent and got started being offered film projects which is what what i've always really wanted to do and and uh yeah and then i you know went from strength to strength and did features and and uh continue to do features every now and again you know um for me the trick is to try and um do stuff that you really want to do you know uh hollywood mm -hmm. is a very insidious beast it sort of lures you into doing what it wants you to do um and mm. even right down to, you know, the testing process where they test movies and people fill out those little cards. And if enough people don't like something you've done in your movie, you, you have to change it, you know, and that kind of yeah. sums up the whole Hollywood machine, which is you don't, it's not a good, uh, often not a good machine to service someone who considers themselves as a, you know, individual voice, as an auteur, as, a, as someone who, is trying to do a particular kind of thing. You know, if you're trying to do, mm. you know, a superhero movie or, a, you know, um, a franchisable commodity a product, if you're trying to create product in Hollywood is a great place to work. But if you're trying to do stuff that is, is a little unique um, out of the ordinary, it's not, not the best uh, situation to be working in. So, so where I am now is trying to wrestle back a little bit of, um, creative uh um con not control control is such a mean-spirited sounding word isn't it but a bit more of a bit more uh influence a little bit more creative influence let's say on on sure. the stuff that i i get to make you know so yeah no thank you for sharing that and yeah it is pretty um you know looking through everything you've done i was incredibly impressed and i mean it's a question i was going to ask you that you're sort of referring to there and you know i was looking up some of the films, you know, doing The Crow with Brandon Lee, working with Jennifer Connelly, Nicolas Cage in Knowing, um, Will Smith in iRobot, you know, all these huge films and being part of, you know, these major productions. Um, 
has it has that been a really difficult thing to sort of um be able to you know having trying to have a really big commercial career but still finding that balance of really you know doing what you love doing and i i know i've seen that in in acting it's gets really difficult where you get into it for the right reason and then the industry often makes you start sometimes resenting it because it's just there's so many you know factors that go into it is that has that been a really difficult thing to navigate to yeah it's a, it's a, it's a never-ending battle really um look the bigger the budget of a film the less freedom you have as a creative artist um in any area whether it's acting directing or writing or anything you know um more jobs are at stake you know more studio executives heads are on the chopping block the bigger the budget is so you get a lot of nervous Nellies around you sort of making sure that, you know, um, you know, even the most mundane details like the, the actor, the lead actor wants to have, uh, you know, some like stubble or something, and you know, they think it adds to the character or whatever. And the mm-hmm. studio goes, no, no, we want them clean shaven. You know, it's just ridiculous stuff like that. Um, yeah. And the bigger the budget is, you know, or, or when I get to work with Will Smith, you know, and the studio are constantly saying, well, he's got to do more gags, you know, and it's like, we don't want to do gags. It's not a, it's not a comedy, you know, but they, they're convinced that that's Will Smith's value is to be able to do some gags, you know? Um, so stuff like that. So, you know, I guess I think that shows you it doesn't really matter where you sit in the pecking order. If the budget mm. is of a certain level, you're going to end up getting a lot of interference, you know? So you try and, and, um, and balance that, you know, you try and balance the budget. Uh, and so it's, it's a, it's a, you, you allow yourself that, that sort of freedom of, of, uh, of expression and of course it you know depending mm. on 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 the the story as well and 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 all that but you know over the years i i i'm pretty much convinced that you know you get you get over a certain you know level in the in the budget and you're gonna you're gonna have some grief you know so i yeah. think uh it's best to try and keep the budget low and and in the long run it's usually a happier happier experience for people you know so. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, I guess like a lot of people in in their careers, you know, get overwhelmed and pressure, etc. I, I mean, I'm interested to know, like for you, and I saw when you made The Crow, you were pretty young, I think, from what I looked up, still in your twenties or early thirties, or and you know, you've worked on these huge films. How how did you handle the pressure of that? Because I know that that must be daunting and. Is, are there certain you know things that you do to manage that pressure, or was it? Yeah, well, the crow is really yeah. a very unusual circumstance, of course, and and probably the worst thing you could ever experience as a first time Hollywood yeah. director seeing you, you, a friend, you know, and Brandon was a friend, you know, uh, die yeah. under those circumstances. It's probably the worst. You know, you you're in. It's like going to war. You know, you suddenly in, you know on the on the tre- in the trenches, you know, in battle. Um, it's pretty horrific, and and in that instance, very um, how can I put this? Uh, kind of unnecessary. Uh, it was uh, mm-hmm. you know there was all sorts of extenuating circumstances. You know, I mean, it was an accident, but it was um, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 the, the cost cutting, penny pinching on that production certainly uh, didn't help the the situation. Put it mm-hmm. that way, you know. So a horrible experience on all around, and a tragic a tragic experience for for, for Brandon, of course, and for everyone. Um, 
So, you know, that's, of course, you know, an unusual circumstance, but it gives you a real insight into the way, you know, the, the Hollywood machine can work. Um, we're all kind of, uh, you know, we're all exploitable commodities, put it that way. And you have to be very cautious about, you know, when you're a young artist, uh, an actor or a filmmaker of any kind, you, 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 you know, to a certain extent, you want to be exploited. You know, you, 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 you yeah. open yourself up to that opportunity because you see it purely from your own perspective as one of great personal opportunity, you know. And the, yeah. the, the, the money men know that, you know. That's why they like working with people who are younger and, and less knowledgeable and less experienced um, uh, because they can bend them to, to their will. And this applies to filmmaking this applies to the music industry place really applies to to most of the arts you know uh exploiting yeah. young young talent is kind of the way the it's you know the the oil for the machinery to turn around is young young <laughs> exploitable people you know yeah, um absolutely. so you have to be very very careful that you don't you, you don't find yourself trapped by that you know because of course you get you get a lot, a lot of rewards, you know, you, at, a, at an early, at an early um, age, you get a lot of financial reward. You get a lot of ego gratification, all the things that you want as a young person, you, you're getting that in, 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 in bucket loads, you know, and, and Hollywood yeah. knows that that's what you want. So it's going to give you as much, as much as you want. So it can get what it wants out of you, you know? Um, so, so, it's a, it's, it is a trap. That's why I say it is a, it is a trap and you just have to be very, very um, concerned about it when it starts to happen to you. Um, and I say that, you know, with the benefit of hindsight is when you're experiencing it, of course, no one, yeah. no one really, well, a lot of, I think a lot of people turn a blind eye to it, you know, because they, they're very happy to get what they can out of the situation, you know? Um, but to me, the, the, look, the, 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 the ultimate trick is to sustain your, your, your um, career. And so sometimes quick success at an early point is not the best thing. You know, sometimes sustained, steady improvement is, is a much better way of doing things, you know, because, you know, from a, as a director, from, from, a, from a director's point of view, you know, in terms of getting your next film financed, you're only as good as your last movie, really. If you've mm. made a if you've made a huge hit, they'll happily line up to finance your next movie. If you've made a movie that's been a bit iffy at the box office, well, you know, they'll just chuck you on the pile with every, with everyone else. You know, um, so so in that respect, it's I think it's best that you that you craft your career carefully and sensibly and build it in steps rather than. You know, like I see this happen all the time with mm-hmm. indie filmmakers who've made a, a couple of maybe sometimes even just one independent film that has shown promise. Suddenly Marvel will come along and offer them like the next, you know, whatever movie, man movie or woman movie, underwear, yeah. underpants movie. Um, yeah, and um, underpants because they wear they all wear their underpants on the outside. Of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I call them <laughs> underpants movies. Um and, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, they, they want a, a young independent person for that role because they're going to be easy to bend to their will and get them to do what the franchise owners want them to do. Mm. Um, yes, there'll be financial reward that comes with it. But at the end of the day, you'll, you know, those filmmakers will come out of that 
And unless they want to do yet another movie like that, they want to now do something that is more meaningful to them. They're going to have just really just as much hard luck trying to get that done as, as they would have, if they probably hadn't made the, the Marvel movie, you know? So that's the, yeah. another trap that I think people need to, to kind of be wary of is this, you know, the, the easy success that can come from, from these, uh, these sources, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a tricky thing to navigate sort of from both angles as different challenges, I guess, like, like you're saying. And um, I mean, for you after what happened when with the crow and different periods in your career, when you've had ups and downs or things happen, was it a matter of you just focusing on, you know, I'm just going to push forward because this is what I love doing. And I just want to, you know, it's, you, you know, have it's to just... be, t- you have to be tough. I mean, there's no question you won't survive yeah. if you're not, yeah. if you don't yeah. have a, a, a sort of a tenacious quality to your personality, you know, um, mm. you know, I've been accused of being very, uh, um, uh, uh, kind of pig-headed, but I think you, you know you, you, the business attracts those people because it, otherwise you just wouldn't survive. You know, um, at the same time though, you know, depression is a very real thing, and we all suffer it. You know, I've suffered mm. from depression. We all do. You know, it's a, the the very mm. nature mm. of the business is one that um, can can make the 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 toughest person suffer from depression, and there's there's nothing wrong with that. It's part of life. You know, it's what we, we all go through it. You know, um, if you are, I mean, God knows the number of people who are de- must be depressed right now because their businesses are falling over and they were doing, you know, quite well. And, and uh, you know, they don't have work and whatever. I mean, it's like, it's everyone right. goes through this stuff, you know? So the, the film industry is a, is a, is a cruel, uh, is, is a, probably a crueler industry than most, you know? So, you're going to often be put into situations where you, uh, where you honestly don't, uh, you, you can't find the reasons for what you're doing. You know, you start to lose yeah. a sense of that. But I, you know, as I say, I, 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 the way I get over it and, you know, it's not, I don't just snap out of it. It's really hard to do sometimes. And I haven't, I've never, you know, been on any sort of clinical level of depression uh, or medicated in any way or whatever. I don't know, maybe I have been, but I just haven't, haven't gone that far with it in terms of seeking help, you know, maybe I should have in some instances. I know certainly going through what I did with um, on The Crow, um, I can't imagine that there is a more, there is a deeper well to, to uh, fall into emotionally than what I experienced through that situation. Um, but my... My solution in that instance was to uh, once um, Brandon's family had uh, had actually come to me and said, you should finish the movie because Brandon would want you to finish the movie. And the other actors, the rest of the cast also did the same thing. Um, uh, I picked myself up and, and had that focus of, well, I'm, I know why I'm finishing this movie. I didn't want to finish the movie um, because as I say, I was in a pretty, horrible state um but that's the reason yeah. that i picked and i i had that as my inspiration and i think that's what you have to do on any level of if you're a creative person you have to have that focus on you've got to retain that focus on that inspiration that's allowing you to overcome you know and to keep moving forward yeah. you know um uh, on less um or not on less but on 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 difference in different situations even just situations where 
um, you wake up in the morning and you're depressed and you don't even know why, you know, you're, 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 to me, I find my work is a, is a conduit to getting through that. I find focusing mm-hmm. on what I do, even just writing, I find any creative endeavor, I use it as a tool to overcome depression and to, and to find that hopeful spirit in, in, in my life, you know, um, you know, and my family, of course, is important and, and, and all that. But in terms of a solution through my work, I find the work itself is that solution. I, I, yeah. I live, I, I like to, you know, and it's look, I'm, a lot of my stuff is fantasy and science fiction based. And I, I like to build worlds and live in these sort of alternate worlds, you know, that I've created, which is, yeah. I guess, escapism on some level. But, but, it's, um, but it's kind of my version of that, you know. And again, that's that's my inspiration. That's what I. That's what keeps me going. You know, the, is is living in this imaginative world that I create. You know, and creating these characters and these stories, and is is kind of my way of sort of solving problems, of fixing psychological issues, and 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 dealing with all this bad stuff. There's the the demons and all the crap that we all put up with. You know. Um, so I, I use the work to, to, to overcome that or to, to work through it, you know. Um, so that's a, that's a trick that works. It's a trick, but it's, it's one that seems to work for me, you know. No, I, I think it's a really beautiful answer. And it's something where I think in life and, you know, whether you are a creative person or in a creative industry or whatever you're doing, it's um, if we, I think if we can focus on the process rather than, you know, the outcome of things and, I think when people get overwhelmed it's when we're always looking too far forward or like we talked about before waiting but if it's like just focusing on I'm just going to do you know I just need to keep creating or doing what I'm my work or whatever it is to just because I'm getting value myself out of doing it the the byproduct probably is that you'll end up actually getting results you know externally anyway but um, I think we live in a world at more so than ever now where you know we're flooded with mass media social media comparison looking at what you know the next shiny thing and it can overwhelm you and it can discourage you from just doing you know taking that step forward which i think creates huge mental health problems and especially in the entertainment world i totally agree and i think i mean social media has got a lot to answer for um i think it's i think it's responsible as, as nice as it is for you and i to be doing what we're doing right now which is a form of social media the downside of social media is is huge, and I think it's really substantially responsible for this incredible rift we're having in the world right now. This, I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about this sort of political kind of rift with it, where the two opposing sides are just at each other's throats rather than trying to come together and find a solution. You know, and yeah. Um, it's it's kind of everyone's ripping themselves further and further adrift and further apart from the other side, and you know they're getting their their, their arguments are getting more vehement, more heated from either side of the the equation, you know. And and mm. I mean I, I I you know I see good and bad in in both sides of the equation, and even just saying that is is a is a way for people to start to hate you you know because you apparently you're supposed to take sides if you don't take a side you're going to have both sides at you you know um and so that's i think that's come from social media that's that 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 mindset has really grown exactly in in confluence with 
the rise of social media and the fact that people can mm-hmm. jump onto Twitter and, and all this stuff and just vent their opinion um, without any, any sense of the consequences that that might have in the, to be used as a kind of a, a kind of a, a rationale for free speech or something, you know, which I don't really understand. It's like, you know, yes, yes, I believe in free speech, but I also believe in polite speech too, you know, and being kind of reasonable in your, in your opinion and not, pissing everyone off, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's bizarre. we yeah. seem to have lost track of that, you know? Um, oh, so yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's a real, it's a real problem. And it's, um, it's one that I think, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I've always seen myself as a, I mean, look, I, 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 um, I think there's a lot wrong in the world and I've always tried to address those issues through my work. Um, but at the same time, I think, uh, rather than attacking people with a with an opposing view, I like to go. How do we solve this problem? How do we bring bring it back to to some level of of reason and being sensible? You know, um, so so I think mm-hmm. that's the challenge today more so than anything. You know, we know what the opinions are. We know what different theories people have about what's wrong and what isn't wrong. But let's but we go okay, let's, how do we fix that? You know, that's the, really yeah. the key, you know? Um, so I think that's another thing that I think artists can perhaps focus on rather than attacking each other is perhaps trying to bring people together more so, you know? Yeah. And as you say, it's a bizarre thing where, you know, there's a one level, like what you said, where um, people are saying, oh, but free speech. So I'm going to just say anything on all these social platforms, abuse people, whatever. And then there's the other angle of it where, we're meant to have freedom of speech, but like you said, if you want to have a different opinion where you might say, okay, I might, you know, take, agree with that side, but also a bit of that side, then you're, you get ridiculed for that. That's going against freedom of speech that someone's that's, having a go. That's exactly right. So it's like, because apparently it's only a particular there. kind of freedom of speech that's acceptable. <laughs> you know? So, so depending on, where, depending on where your opinion is, you know, so it is, it's, it's crazy and it's just, it's just words. That's the whole thing. It's just rhetoric, you know, and it's the different camps all kind of spouting the same old rubbish, you know. Um, that's why I say to me, it's like I want to be the guy with a white flag in the middle of the battlefield going, guys, just calm the fuck down, you know. It's, it's not going to get through it. If we're at each other's throats, we're just not going to get through this. Don't panic. It's going to be okay, you know. That's really the yeah. only sensible approach that I can see um, because taking Absolutely. sides and shooting guns at each other is, is just not working, you know, it really isn't. It doesn't work. And I think it's very, um, you know, it has a very adverse effect on creativity. How can you be creative and think creatively when, you know, there's such a, you know, everything's having to be categorised and, you you know, it, it feel, it's a suffocating sort of feeling to... Well, yeah, and that. there's the whole cancel culture thing too now, which is, you know, if you don't mm. if you say something that is not the current vogue, then you'll be you'll have, you won't just be shouted down. You'll be, you'll be destroyed. Your career will be destroyed. Your, you know, you'll be written off as an individual. And, and that's just a horrible, horrible situation. That's, you know, again, coming perhaps on some, some level coming from something, um, uh, something good and desirable uh, in terms of being progressive and moving forward with society and improving things by getting very quickly twisted through anger, getting very quickly twisted into something that's kind of weaponized and, and becomes something quite horrible and scary and dangerous and, and definitely shuts down freedom of speech. And that is people are just scared to say anything unless it's 
some mantra they've heard rabbited from someone else, you know, something that is an acceptable thing to say, you know. Um, so that's, again, an, another, another issue. And I, as I say, it's, it all comes, mm-hmm. to me, it all comes from social media, which seemed like a, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but it's proving to be a little bit of a problem, you know, so. Slight problem there, mate. Um, and are you glad that you came up as a, as a director when you did? Like, imagine, like if you were thinking, imagining coming up as a, you know, new up-and-coming director, um, like right now in this day and age, a, would you do you see that as a lot more difficult and um no i think you know, i think every era has its own level of challenge and and yeah. you know look on the one side right now um it's uh the technology makes it as we were saying makes it so much more available you know when i was a, a young filmmaker i would have to save up my dollars to go and buy a little 50 foot cartridge of super 8 film uh, and stick it into the camera with no sound and film my friends or relatives or whatever and send it away to a laboratory and get it back two weeks later, you know, and then have to say yeah, scratch right. pennies again to buy another one. So now you can shoot an entire film on your iPhone and, and it's yeah. the quality is incredible, you know. So, so that's liberated filmmakers for sure. On the negative mm. side, um, it's, uh, it's as hard as ever, if not harder to get, uh, films of 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 originality made of get, yeah. getting them even if you get them made of getting them seen of getting them financed getting them seen uh, it's harder than ever and it's becoming increasingly hard you know so so I don't know you know I I feel like every era has its challenges you've got to work out how to navigate through those challenges you know I still live in hope that we're going to come up with some new streaming service because it. Theatrical is sadly dying. I, mean, I, I got into this stuff because I love the big screen, mm. but... I was going to ask you that, yeah. It's dying. I mean, it was dying before yeah. the pandemic, you know. Now it's really dying. Um, it, the pandemic mm. has just sped everything up. It's not like the, all the issues that have emerged through this pandemic that this pandemic has showed us, those issues were more or less already there, but it's sped them up and it's made them clearer. It's highlighted them, you know. So, the, you know, theatrical has been dying for some for some time, you know. Um, so it's going to be streaming. The future is streaming. There's no question. But what, what we don't want to end up with as, as individual creative artists is handing over the, and I say handing over like we have some control over it. We don't. But handing over the, the, the power base from a bunch of big film studios to a bunch of big streamers, you know, Amazon and yeah. Netflix and all that sort of stuff. Because at the end of the day, the individual will still suffer out of that and will suffer more you know disney have just made it um uh have just stopped uh, physical media so blu-rays and dvds and disney are no longer doing that because they want everyone to be watching disney plus you know and subscribing to disney plus that's their ideal way of showing their content you know mulan which was a, a theatrical remake of of the animation is going straight to streaming they're not even going to release it theatrically they've gone there's no Hmm. point no one's going to go through the pandemic, but at the end of the day, it services their agenda because their agenda is one that they want to keep all the profits. They don't want to share, you know, 45%, 55% to, with the, the, the theatres, the exhibitors. They want it all, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but what that does, again, it puts a clamp on, on independent filmmaking to a great extent. It means that we'll only ever see into the future you know, Netflix don't, they're not, they're sort of will buy the occasional indie film, but 
they're not really interested in that stuff. They're interested in the stuff that's going to bring as many people to their channel, to their service as possible, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. unfortunately it's going to go right back into that same world of, you know, the, the franchises, the IP that's people are familiar with, you know, that new audiences can be, can be uh, weaned on, you know? Um, so, so I live in hope that there will be some new streamer that's some weird combination of Netflix and um, uh, Vimeo and uh, YouTube that services indie style films, because I still think there's a market and, and, and an audience for that stuff, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I live in hope because I think that that is the, the answer to continuing to make great, great movies, you know? Yeah. And, and do you, do you think cinema will survive to some extent in, in the, Future, no, I think I, mean, it's... I think the big screen is going to end up becoming a boutique uh, industry, like um, the big bookstores, the big um, mm. uh, the BB, you know, a big um, hardware stores like Bunnings and these these multinationals. You know, there are no more. Yeah. Um, there's no more bookstore chains uh, because it's all Amazon, right? Everyone wants to buy books yeah. from Amazon, so bookstores have become these little boutique things, you know, there's a bookshop here near where I live, uh, a place called Glee Books, which is in Glee near the university. And they've survived Mm. over the years, you know, selling textbooks to university students. And that's their market because they're right next to the university and they do like writers events and stuff. They have the writers come and speak and stuff and they have cocktail parties or whatever. And that's what the bookshop has become. It isn't somewhere where you go and it's other things, you know? So I think, I think, um, You know, there are no corner hardware stores because everyone wants to go to Bunnings because Bunnings will have every little screw and nut and bolt that you want. You know, you can, you know, you're mm-hmm. going to get it there. Um, so the corner hardware store is the, you know, the neighborhood hardware store has disappeared, you know. So I think it's just going to be the same with cinemas. There'll always be uh, an interest in a big screen uh, uh, communal event like watching a movie with an audience and getting that that interaction from the audience. But I think it's going to become boutique. It's going to become individual specific screens here and there. The multiplex will probably disappear. um, And it will be, uh, you know, it will be, that's that kind of industry, you know, Um, and everyone, 99% of the audience will just turn on, turn on Netflix, you know, (laughs) sad, but probably true. It's just so you can't beat, you know, that feeling of just when there's a film, you know, an excited film you really want to see and going into the cinema and that whole experience. You can't, you can't beat that. It's, no, it's absolutely, you're absolutely right. And, and it's, and it's like getting that energy. Even if, it, even if the audience don't make a noise, you get the energy from the audience, you feel it. Um, so, mm. it, you know, if there's, if, there's, if there's any emotion and movies are about emotion, you know, if there's any emotion going on, you feel it's increased by the the sense of the audience around you. That's why they put large tracks on sitcoms on TV, you know, because that's their only way of reproducing that quality in some cheesy way that you get from being in a real amongst other people, all enjoying an experience at the same time, you know? Um, Yeah, exactly. That's That's, why, I mean, that's why I started making movies because I I love that quality. I love going to the big screen. I, I watch TV, but it's like, it wasn't that into TV really uh, when I could go and see a movie. Um, and yeah, and yeah. I love that. I love that quality. And, and, but unfortunately it seems that 
Well, it, it's, it's, again, it's a commercial thing and it's, it's, we've been mm. steered away from that experience by, by the people who have a vested interest in increasing their bottom line, you know, but, but it's also yeah, because, yeah. you know, a lot of, I mean, I know a lot of people who go, well, you know, I'd rather just watch it on Netflix, you know, um, uh, and I can understand, you know, if you've got a family or something, you know, going to the theatre and going to the cinema and I kind of understand, but I just think it's a real, it's a real shame that we're losing that, that uh, very special experience, you know, so. Yeah, that immersive experience. And I mean, the, I guess the other problem is because you're at home, you know, you've normally got multiple devices open, so, sort of to really get the effect out of a film, you've got to be 100% immersed in it but that's the beautiful part about it and um you know i i I was um watching a film the other day and i you know i was thinking about it like three days later i was like shit that did what it was meant to do but then often if you're just watching something for pure entertainment and you've got you know other noise around you you don't really get that same impact out of it so it's sort of um, not at all not at all yeah and anything is scary or or whatever it's like you're trapped in a room with all these other people and you can't get out and you can't turn away. And it's like, that's the, the beauty of it, you know, that you can't turn, yeah, you turn yeah. change the channel, you know, go somewhere else, look at your device or whatever. Um, I love yeah. seeing horror, horror movies with, with, um, with people and seeing, you know, everyone like hiding from the screen or turning away and, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. observing that about the audience is actually just as much fun. I remember like, seeing Saving Private Ryan in that first um, battle scene, which is pretty full on, right? You remember that that first mm-hmm. people are getting do, yeah. seriously messed up. And, uh, you know, being the filmmaker, I was actually quite close to the front of the crowd and I thought, wow, this is an, an amazing scene. This is like I've n- never seen anything like it. And I thought I'd just turn mm. around and see what the audience, how the audience are responding. And so I turn around and literally the, it was frozen horror. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen an audience yeah. like it. Literally, people were like this, you know. Everyone was like, <laughs> you know, all these different. And that yeah. made the experience so much more beautiful, you know, for me, the experience of that communal thing. I'm a sick bugger as well, so I kind of like the fact that everyone's <laughs> utterly horrified. Um, but it's, uh, you know, that's that's a movie experience, you know, and you, you're never going to oh, have okay. that. At, at home on a, on on, a, well, on a, even if you've got friends over you're just never going to get that same experience. the the ironic thing is we need that more than ever now because we are so we're becoming more disconnected through technology and like you said social media you know we're so people can't focus except we need to feel more than anything so it's like i mean yeah, I don't I know. anyway it's sort of all stuff that needs to be navigated but um yeah and look i just on a side note i love all the um i know you big on sci-fi i'm like obsessed with sci-fi and i've i watched the matrix i think for the 70th time um the other night and even after that i'm still googling things and you know looking up and analyzing you know different parts of it and it's just you know i, I don't know i just love that aspect of it as well where you're just having to making you think about all these different realms yeah Science yeah. fiction is great as a filmmaker too because it, it, it you can you build these these worlds and um, and it's 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 one of the reasons I don't like I don't I've been asked asked to do sequels and franchise type movies often and I turn them down because for me it's no fun the inventing stuff is the fun part coming up with stuff mm. is is, is mm. the real fun creating a world creating 
you know, having someone do a drawing and going, well, it's not quite like that. Having some idea of how the, how a scene should look or a character should look or a costume or whatever. And building a world to me, that's the, the fun of it. And science fiction as a genre for me, apart from the fact that I grew up on this stuff, I, I, I literally yeah. was a huge sci-fi, uh, uh, like a reader. I used to read a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, as I was concurrently wanting to become a filmmaker, I also wanted to become be a writer. I wasn't quite, I dabbled with both things for a while there, you know, because I love great science fiction writing um, because it transports you. Again, it's like a sort of escapism, but it transports you into a, another world and allows you to see things from someone else's very unique, strange, bizarre perspective. And And that took me out of my own mundane life i think and i that's what i liked about it so much you know um and i think that's why audiences like it too i think it it transports them to somewhere that is takes them out of you can still deal with social and and issues and problems of our world and still address those but you're addressing them from another perspective which allows you to kind of maybe see them more clearly too you know um so i think it's a great genre for, for all those reasons massively and and it's not just you know that that escapism isn't escapism just purely for the sake of it it's escapism that we you know again desperately need at, at this um point in you know in time because that gives you the it opens up your mind so then you can look at apply that thinking to you know where we are now rather than people just seeing you know the black and white versions of everything so that's just, right yeah yeah i think it's it's an amazing thing um just going back to mental health, how big of an issue do you think, I mean, I know from what I've seen and I'm trying to do more awareness in the entertainment world with mental health. Have you seen that being a big, I mean, we all, we know it's a big problem in general, but in the entertainment industry, have you seen that being oh, a yeah. big problem? Yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, huge, yeah. It's a yeah. huge problem. Um, yeah. Maybe yeah. more so than in other industries. I don't know. I don't know statistically where it stands in other industries, but it may be a, a, a symptom, a, a disease of the of modern society uh, and maybe spans across all industries. But I know from my own experience with people that I've worked with, I mean, I, I've known many people who I've worked with and who have sadly taken their own lives. Um, uh, I don't know whether it's statistically more than anyone else of my age, but it seems to be a lot of people, you know, people who've worked with me, um, on you know both sides of the camera and crew, cast and crew, um, and um, so I feel like I've got uh, a little bit of an insight into into that. Um, um, I, I think the you know the filmmaking as a as a industry is as we said the industry is very cruel, but the the just uh, on on a day to day day to day basis of working in films. It's, it can be very tough on people. It's very tough on their family lives. The hours that people are expected to work uh, on films, uh, you know, it's weirdly even the biggest films, the most, the ones with the biggest budgets, people seemingly seem to work the longest hours. You know, we have this issue with turnarounds with actors, which means that, and I understand why it's in place for actors. It protects actors, but unfortunately it doesn't protect the rest of the crew what ends up happening is and the actors suffer the consequences as well because as you probably know um and you may have experienced it you know this 
this 10 hour turnaround thing means that, you know, you start off on a Monday and you're working reasonable hours, but you go an hour over time every day and the shoot every day shooting gets pushed further and further so that by Friday you're working into like Saturday morning, ridiculously long hours, starting later, but going later. And that way you lose part of your weekend um, to be with your family, et cetera, and live a, live a, try and live a normal life. And that over, you know, five or six months shoot on a big film, that can be really, really difficult, you know, to say the least. And then a lot of crew, of course, go from film to film to film. They're not like me. I, I get a, I get a holiday after each, each situation like that. But a lot of the, the grips and the gaffers and the, and the, and the, and the tech crew will go from movie to movie to movie um, and they've, you know, they, in Australia in particular, they, they've got to keep taking work because they've got to take it when it's available because six months down the track, there may not be any work for them, you know? So they, yeah, you know, yeah, when yeah, they're yeah. on a roll, they'll go f- through three or four movies at a time and suddenly they'll come out two years later and they'll be looking at divorce and they they won't know their kids. And it's, it's like hor- yeah, horrific sure. scenarios, which really don't, uh, so that's good. So that's got to change. You know, that, that mindset is going to change. You know, one of the, another one of the reasons I'm building this virtual production studio, we shot this 20 minute film in less than five days and we kept to nine to five hours, you know, or 10 to six or something, but it was like, we were like office hours. This is great. Everyone got to go home and have dinner with their family. This is, this is why can't it be like this all the time? Well, it can be, and it has to be like that because you can't sustain a family and a, and, a, and a life of any sort, not just a lifestyle, a life. You can't sustain it working in this bizarre, ridiculous, cruel industry that we, that we work in, you know? Um, so again, you know, how do you fix that problem? Well, I, I, you know, that's something that the, the superpowers, it's not in my, you know, it's not in my scope to work out how to fix it. That's got to be, you know, that's got to come from the top down, from the studios. I've got to, you know, or the unions, or someone's got to implement these measures so that we, so that we can, you know, work sensible hours as, as film people, not be as exploited as, as, as we are, you know. Um, um, so, yeah, I think it, it does take its toll. That stuff does take enormous toll on people. And a lot of people end up, you know, I think in the best case scenarios, they end up, leaving the industry um, and doing going into some other field of work um, uh, rather than, you know, the, the worst case scenario, which is that it eats them up, you know, and they kill themselves and, um, and people that you, again, you know, it's a horrible cruelty of suicide is people that you least suspect are in that place are are often the ones who are in that place, you know, uh, Tony Scott is a, a, a director, a friend that, that I didn't know him real well, but I'd, I, I could, could call him a friend. I'd, I'd, you know, hung out with him a couple of times, a few times through the years. A really great guy. And he, you know, he's the last man on earth that you would suspect to be uh, someone who would suffer from this this disease, which it is. It is a, it is a disease. Um, Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Uh, you know, shocking that he that he took his life. You know, because as I say, he's just not not the person that you would expect would do that. And um, and you know, he was a a, a, a great person and a 
and a really respected director with with a great track record, done a bunch, a lot of films, and um, and you know was a commander of you know a lot of people, in, you know, in charge. A lot of people, people really looked up to him as a great leader, you know, which is yeah. another reason why it's so ironic and horrible what happened because he's, as I say, the last person. You know, always in great spirits, always laughing, you know, smoking his cigar with his Hawaiian shirt. He was like a really, really out there kind of guy, and and um, yeah, just not the, not the person you'd expect to be in that in that place. But you know, it's 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 um yeah, it's it can be really it can be really cruel. I, again, all I can say is you gotta you gotta try and have that objectivity and sit outside of it, and when if it's if it's getting too tough, you've got to you know think of yourself and your family first and go, you know what, time for a little little rest stop just for a while. Let's just, let's not take that next film. Let's just, you know what, we just need need some time out, you know. But at the same time, the industry has got to change. It's got to, it's got to improve a lot, you know. It's, it's a combination, isn't it? And it's sort of, um, and, and then in the creative industries as the factor that, you know, creative people are probably more prone to depression as well because the thing, the gift that gives your mind that ability to think outside of the box also means that it is thinking a lot and then you might analyse things or, you know, you can't stop your mind thinking. And um, really, I think, you know, we, yeah, like you said, there's that side where the industry needs to change, but then the, we need to be having more conversations like we're having now and just letting people know, you know, because it is it is shocking when you see these people that, you would never have thought would have a an issue and they haven't spoken about it and they might have felt like it's not acceptable to talk about it and it gets to that level that we need to stop it from getting there and um and and I love what you said before about um no matter what you're doing or how much you've achieved or where you are it's just reminding ourselves that the fundamentals are you know if if we're overwhelmed or things get too much it's okay you know we can just go back to like it's it nothing's more important than our health our family our friends you know these fundamentals that as long as you know we make sure we're looking after those the rest you know things will be good sometimes bad sometimes indifferent but we can't control a lot of that but we can make sure we're looking after ourselves and you know i think you put it really well yeah. and it's and it's it's no it's it's i think people have to be okay about admitting to something that they might think of as a weakness you know I don't think yeah, it is yeah. a weakness. I think it's just human nature. I think it's, I think we're all human, um, you know, in, 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 and I don't want to speak specifically about, about Tony Scott, but, but, um, but, you know, if you're in a position as a, as a, as a leader, as the director, the one that everyone looks up to as the, you know, the guy who's going to answer the questions and going to take you through the, the battlefield, you know, maybe there is a lot of pressure on people like that to not ever admit that they're unsure or they're, or they, you know, because that maybe they think of it as a weakness, you know, yeah, um, yeah. I learned early on that there's nothing wrong with when you turn up to the set first thing in the morning to go, you know what, I'm not absolutely sure. I, you know, I need a, I need a minute just to mm. work something out. I'm not absolutely sure that where the, the camera is going to be there, or if the camera is going to be there, just give me a moment to, have some more of this coffee and I'll, I'll get back mm. to you, you know, and, and then other people, if you've built a, a, a group of people around you who are supportive, who you've been good to, uh, they're going to help you. They're going to be there to, to, they don't see that as a weakness. They see that as you doing your job and trying to, 
to yeah. you know make it as best as it can be and they'll they'll help you they'll come in and they'll have ideas and some of them might actually be even good ones you know um so that's a that's an important thing is to not is to not be not always pretend that you're okay when you're not always okay because that's just an admission of being human you know and oh. people kind of respect your humanity more if you actually <laughs> admit to you, having it you know um well I, I and i think they i think they respect it because then they they know they're like well yeah good i can relate because i feel the same thing you know where like you said we're all human it's like saying that someone's not going to have a physical problem in their life we're all going to have some sort of physical issue throughout our lifetime we're all going to whether you're a male or a female or whatever job or title you have we're all going to have some sort of problem mentally it's fine we need to just be taught we need to educate people that it's okay to show vulnerability to just be authentic and be yourself it's like what's you can't i don't i don't think you can be truly at peace if you are suppressing yourself you have to be able to just be yourself to be you know that's and that's why we then try and you know feel like we need to always maintain this certain level or control external things because we feel like well if i don't control that then i'm falling apart it's like if we're just it's actually it's actually empowering in itself Um, if you admit admit that you're that there's some part that's not you're not perfect it's actually it actually does empower you um because there's a strength through having the the ability to do, to make that admission. You know, there's a, there's a confidence without being able to make that admission. Um, yeah. So you know, you don't want to make it every single moment of the day, obviously, because then people really will start to believe that you don't know what you're doing. But there's nothing <laughs> wrong when it's really something that. I mean, you know, people ask me a lot about how to how to direct. You know, they ask me about you know, do you do storyboards and all that sort of stuff? Do you shot lists and and I say, yeah, I say, look, you've got to be really prepared. You know, every day of filming is very expensive. There's a lot of people standing around waiting for you to tell them what to do. Um, you want to get the days, the, the script page is shot, blah, 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 so you don't go over, over schedule and the studio starts to want to fire you and whatever. Um, so you've got to come yeah. prepared. But at the same time, uh, you have to have the, uh, the uh, experience and the knowledge and the, and the confidence that, you know, yes, you have a plan and that's your kind of fallback position. Um, but you might come up with something much better on the day. You know, an actor might have something to offer that you would never have even thought of in a million years. And so for you to constantly say to people, no, you stand here and you stand there, yeah. you want to let them discover where they want to stand, you know, and if they understand the character and the story as well as you hope they will, then often they're going to tell you something as a director, you know? So that attitude comes from confidence. That's not weakness. That's, that's actually strength because it's me knowing what I'm doing and being confident enough to go, you know what? I can let it go to a certain extent. I don't have to control it so rigidly. I can let the thing find its own path. And sometimes that path is going to be much better than one that I could invent sitting in my office the day before you know or the night before sitting in my study the night before so that's i guess that's kind of what i'm saying is is that ability to be more relaxed to admit when you don't know something to seek other people's advice other people's collaboration and creativity i think all that stuff actually just actually strengthens you rather than weakens you you know yeah no absolutely absolutely and you know, 
where do you see the Australian film industry and, you know, what projects I was reading before you've got a couple of, I mean, you've told me about your new um, studio as well, but yeah, what, what you've got a couple of big projects coming up as well from what I read. And so I guess that plus, where do you see the Australian film industry um, well, at the moment? Well, it's all a bit of a mess. I mean, you know, this whole thing is really is causing huge problems. Um, uh, yep. Right down to the most, the smallest details of, you know, you plan something and then someone decides that they can't, they don't want to turn up because they might catch COVID-19 and you go, you can't live your life that way. You know, we're all going to practice all those precautions and be very cautious, but we've got to keep moving forward, you know, and that's mm-hmm. causing a lot of issues throughout the entire industry, you know. Our, a lot of our financing, of course, comes from the US and the US is a complete mess at the moment. The, the very fabric of society in the US is, is crumbling. You know, it's, it's, a real, it's a real catastrophe over there. And so I don't blame people for not being able to keep their mind on their work. You know, I mean, you know, agents, studio people, everyone, they're not, they're not working out of their offices. They're all remotely working out of home. Yeah. That's got to cause all sorts of issues. Everyone's Zooming like crazy. That's why Zoom has become this big thing is everyone's Zooming. That's what they do all day long, you know. Um, yeah. but, um, but it's causing a lot of issues with just being able to move forward with the film. So that's a lot of uncertainty. So I, it's a hard question for me to actually answer in that respect because mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't have anything to base it on. I, don't, I speak to these mm-hmm. guys myself and I Zoom, to, Zoom with them and stuff every few days and I'm getting kind of weird signals that don't, I don't have, as I say, I don't have anything to compare them to. So I don't actually know sure. what they mean. So in a nutshell, my films are moving ahead more slowly than usual. You know, that's yeah. about the best yeah. way I can answer it. Um, the studio was not built for the pandemic, but the studio is a, a really good tool for shooting films not by, you know, you don't go out to all the locations, you bring the locations to you, you do it all in the one place with very small crews. And that happens mm. to be a great methodology for this pandemic, you know. Yeah. Um, so we're moving yeah. forward with various projects that we're doing there, you know, a um, bunch of short films and, and other bits and pieces and other tests and things we're doing, um, which is keeping me kind of off, off the streets, you know. Um, but in terms of the, you know, the film industry generally in the Aussie film industry, like I say, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a mystery, Nick, I've got to say, I don't, I wish I could give you a simple answer, but I I don't know. I think we just have to keep every day moving forward a step at a time. We think we're getting somewhere and then suddenly something throws us for a loop. Um, uh, and I'd like to be able to say, well, it's business as usual. We're going to just keep making films, but it's like, there's real issues about insuring the films, about mm-hmm. uh, how much cost is added to the films to to uh, make sure everything, everyone's safe on the set, um, and it's 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 all a bit. It's all stuff that we're working through, you know. And we have to over the next few months. Sure. Hopefully, we'll have a better approach to how it's all how it's all done. You know, I haven't shot any film since that first lockdown, I haven't actually physically been on a set shooting. So I have a lot of friends who have, they've done bits and pieces and they tell me they have the nurse running around with the, with the temperature gauge and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and they've managed to get, to get through it. 
Um, yeah. Some of them have locked themselves down. Some of them have gone to like country rural towns and had everyone live there for the duration of the shoot so they could isolate themselves from the rest of the community. I know that's become a popular way to work. Um, mm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm Thursday, I'm shooting a little test for the first time with a, just a handful of people. We're just testing this new camera. So it's not, it's hardly a, you know, proper, proper film or anything, but we're all going to be very cautious and mask mask up and, you know, stand well away from each other. I'm curious to see how a camera crew is going to work around a camera when they've all got to remain, you know, a metre and a half apart or whatever it is. Um, Be interesting. But, but we'll, we just have to sort of suck it and see, you know. Um, yeah. And, um, and then, you know, my feature, which, which was, was being planned for the end of late, you know, towards the end of this year, um, you know, I had, had, had a cast and, and, and everything and, um, that's become kind of, it's, it's a little bit back burner. I mean, we're still hoping to do it, but it's just when we're going to get to do it is the question. You know, I, I didn't write it as a virtual production, but I'm now rewriting it as a virtual production. So I can, it was originally set in, um, <clears throat> in a bunch of different locations. And one of them was the desert in uh, South Australia. Um, right. The whole half, last half of it is set in the desert. And now with the, the lockdowns, the um, border lockdowns and stuff, I've rewritten the film so I can shoot it in my studio, you know, because it's really the only way I can see doing what. So, so mm. we'll go and we'll get someone to go and scan the environments we wanted to shoot in and then basically do virtual oh, wow. production in, uh, in Sydney, you know. Um, but again, how the crew is going to work in that, you know, period of time, we've got to work all that stuff out. So... I'll let yeah, you know. All... When I, I'll let you know when I know more, which <laughs> hopefully will be one of these days. You know, so I'll be I'll be keeping track. But no, and it's a really cool thing that you've had you, you, that studio. You know, the timing probably for you has been perfect. Then that you've oh, I was a complete fluke. I mean, for... I I I did it for creative issues, and and it but it yeah. happens to be a very good uh, pan. You know, anti post COVID safe thing. You know, as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, but I fluked that. Well, maybe I've got a crystal ball somewhere. I don't know. No. <laughs> it's worked out well. Um, so I just finish up here with um, these five questions. Um, we sort of finish every um, episode with, and these can be quick answers, whatever comes to mind. So the first one is, what, what's your best childhood memory that comes to mind? Oh, um, oh. God, it's hard. It's, it, there's so many of them. Um, or, just, or just one of them that, yeah. I think. Um, I think just... I think the pleasure of basically just having no concerns, no worries, you know, and uh, you know, I, I've always been creative and, and just doing stuff on my own, just doing a drawing or something and being fully immersed in that, in that experience without any, you know, my parents, as I said, I was an only child. My parents, you know, being Greek, Greek, Parents were very uh, protective and gave me what gave me sport me rotten probably, even though they were very yeah. they were working class people didn't have a lot to a lot to offer. They I think they they gave me pretty much everything that I really needed. And so, yeah, just being in mm. that in that bubble, that security bubble, doing your own thing, you know, doing your own creative thing and not having the worries of an adult to to contend with, you know, that's pretty abstract. No. But anyway. No, it's um, something that would be nice to, to feel again. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Uh, 
what, what do you feel like currently is the biggest uh, burden on mental health in society? Um, well, I think we talked about that. I think it's, it's maybe social media is the biggest burden on so many levels, you know, yep. from the very beginnings of Facebook that I, where I, when I, when we became aware that a lot of people were using Facebook to sort of show off and create this kind of mythology about how great their lives were, whether that was conscious or not, you know, a lot of people just did it simply because, you know, who wants to publish like depressing, you know, sad photos on their Facebook. They're all always going to publish yeah. families having a great time being on a, being on a boat on Sydney Harbor or whatever, you know, they were, yeah. you know, so if that's all anyone publishes, that's all you're going to be aware of. You're going to go, this person lives the life of, you know, that I've always wanted to live. What, what a great life they lead. But the chances that that is actually indicative of their entire life is pretty un pretty uh, hard to believe, you know? So I think it's, that's where it kind of started is it created these expectations of comparing your own sad life to on Facebook, constantly getting these reports from other people's lives who seemingly everyone was having a better time in the world than you were. Everyone had Mm -hmm. more friends than you did. Um, Everyone had more likes and thumbs up and, and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's kind of where it all started. And then it's become this kind of, as we said, this attack of, of anger from all different sides and this kind of explosion, this, this um, yeah, it's, it's anger. You know, anger is really the thing that I, I most see on, on, these, on, on social media, you know, and that's got to affect mm, everyone, everyone's lives, everyone's mental health, you know you can't not be affected by it. And it's crazy. Pretty much every guest says social media or something social media related. As yeah. Being, right. You know, the biggest current problem. It's, 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 it's insane. Um, where do you see mental health in 10 years time in society? Do you, oh my God. Uh, and, and I mean, I know we could talk about that for a long time. So I guess more as like sort of a really, do you basically, do you see things getting better or worse in the next decade? Um, I, I hope that there is some kind of a, a break of some sort that can make people reevaluate where they stand because I, I, I'm not, I'm not hugely optimistic. I Mm -hmm. I see these, I don't see these trends uh, fixing themselves. Um, And so usually there needs to be some kind of a schism or something that occurs to, to, to reset. Now, a lot of people have talked about the re the great reset based on the, the economy um, mm. uh, through this pandemic. Um, um, and, but that, that, that I see as a very negative thing. I think, um, well, it depends on where you stand in terms of whether you thought capitalism was working or not. You know, um, uh, I myself don't think it, it was working. It certainly wasn't working for most people. Um, yeah. But I don't know whether there's any, any viable alternative being, being presented. Um, and all I can see is the, the the people. I mean, through this pandemic, the the stock market keeps going up, and the reason for that, you know, particularly if we look at this Wall Street, for example, it keeps going up because the main uh, um, uh, businesses, the big the big corporations that have that are the, the the biggest corporations like Google and and Apple and all the all the big tech giants, um, Amazon. Um, they're the ones that are driving the stock market higher 
and everyone else is dropping away, you know? Yeah, yeah, So yeah. If, if that's not the rich getting richer, I, I don't know what is. And if that's yeah. someone's concept of a, of a reset, then it's seriously flawed, you know? Yeah. It, re- it really is. Um, I guess I was seeing is the, a reset as being something that kind of gave more equality to more people and more security to more people, you know, um, and maybe took some of the, you know, broke down some of these giants who, who have an un, unnecessary amount of power and, and, and profit, you know? Um, so I don't know, you know, I don't, I can't, I don't, I don't really know how, how to answer that question. It's a really, uh, without being incredibly depressing, incredibly negative, because I, I don't okay. know whether, I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't know how we are going to um, not just get through it, but get through it and improve things, which is, I think, what we really need to do. Um, Because just treading water and sustaining it is not enough. I think we need to, we do need a reset. We do need to somehow have something that circuit breaks this whole, you know, modern world that we're part of, you know, what that thing is maybe the aliens will finally arrive, you know, maybe that will be. That'd be exciting. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what we need. Maybe that's, so. the, yeah. maybe that's the last hope. Maybe that will happen, you know, so short of that. Know. Yeah, short of <laughs> that, I don't know. Yeah. Um, two more here. What's your personal definition of happiness? Um, I think happiness is more about meaning. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't put much stock in happiness because happiness mm-hmm. is such a fleeting thing, you know, Um and it's so, it's so subjective. Happiness is incredibly subjective. Yeah. Um, so, so personally, I, I, I put, put more, more importance on meaning. I think for me, that's what it's all about is, is I want to understand uh, why and I want to understand um, what's important about life, you know. Um, and to me, that's about, that's about meaning, you know, and it's, it's kind of closely aligned to to spirituality, but it doesn't, not necessarily, you know, in the, you know, Christian Judeo, whatever, you know, context, um, I've mm-hmm. no, no time for organized religion as such, but, but I think um, the concept of finding meaning in your life is really m- the most important thing, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. I think meaning and purpose. And yeah, that's why I like asking that question. I think happy we've been taught to search for happiness. It should be looking like you're saying for meaning for, what's the purpose of this for and and like you said spirituality doesn't mean you have to go and um join a religion spirituality is about you know really opening up your mind and like you said finding that meaning looking you know searching you know being open to it um so final one here and sorry again i've taken up a lot of your time i'm yeah sorry it's gone so long but really enjoyed this um what would you say is the most courageous thing you've ever done um, I, I don't know. Maybe I haven't done uh, haven't done enough that's courageous. I don't. I don't actually think of myself as particularly courageous, you know. So I don't know that I can say that I've done a specific thing that is courageous. Um, uh, I guess I don't. I don't see courage as being something that you're even aware of, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know people who are heroes in in life, like real heroes who save someone you know from a burning building or whatever um put themselves at risk to do it i think act completely in impulsively i think if they actually mm-hmm. sat down and analyzed it they they go they maybe wouldn't do it you know um, yeah yeah so so that's why i think if i've done something courageous 
not that I can think of anything particular, but if I have, I don't know that I'd even be aware of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, look, I think I keep saying to people, you, you have to be in, in filmmaking and art, you've got to be brave in storytelling. That's not quite the same thing. It's not, that's not equivalent to saving someone from a burning building. Um, but I think, you know, I, I, I do believe in that. I, I think you have to be brave in your expression in your creativity and also what you say, you know, and particularly as we were saying before in this modern world where you're taught to be, to be either, either, either say what, what you are supposed to say or shut up. I think that there is some courage, some bravery, perhaps not so much courage, but bravery in speaking what you really truly believe in and what you believe might help others, you know, and bring others yeah. together. I think that's a that's a form of bravery, but but it's uh, it's it's as I say, it's not compared to saving someone from a life threatening situation and putting your own life at risk. I think that's a very different thing. So. No, I love your answer to that, and and I, you know, from all the stuff you've talked about, I, I I know there's many brave and courageous things you've done, but I I think that answer is so accurate that if you're doing it from that level of being able to answer it then you know it's almost the observer needs to they can say whether it is but um anyway i yeah i really like that answer and i just want to say to you thank you so much again for making the time i've personally just really enjoyed this chat majorly you know respect everything you've done and uh you, you know you've dedicated time this afternoon to, to talk to me so and i'm sure this conversation will help people when they hear it so yeah thank you again mate i really appreciate yeah, it no it's a pleasure thank you very much this episode of Move Your Mind was produced and edited by Tim Boozer. Thanks to Alex Proyas for joining me today for Move Your Mind. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.